Well, hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community, mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher poet Abigail Culkin of Gustavus, Alaska, with introduction by MC Dan Kaiser. Abigail's performance was recorded at the Liberty Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's Abigail. Now we're going to step up and move right forward here with one of our first readers. Unfortunately, we've had a no-show So we're going to move Abigail right up into the starting lineup. Now, Abigail Calkin was born in Boston and raised in New England and New York's Greenwich Village. After moving to a few other states and living in Scotland, she settled in a very small town in Alaska's bush, Gustavos, Alaska. Now, Abigail is a very accomplished author, and she has published a book the Night Orion Fell, the story of a, a disaster and a Coast Guard rescue. She is also a published poet, and she will be presenting this evening. So let's give a warm welcome to Abigail Calkin. I'm shorter than everybody else in the world, practically. Um, The other place I uh, claim hail from is Nova Scotia, where half my family lives. And uh, I'm going back there in October for maybe September to work on a story which will be fiction and historical historical fiction and some nonfiction about my great-grandfather who was a sea captain. Anyway, I have some poems for you tonight. Don't think I have any prose. And uh, this first one has been published in uh, the Northwest Magazine Cirque, C-I-R-Q-U-E, as in Cirque du Soleil. And, uh, but it has nothing to do with Cirque du Soleil. It's just Cirque, Circumpolar North. And it's, you know, you shouldn't have favorite children, but it's okay to have favorite writings. And this is one of my favorite poems, Trolling for Words. Now, I need to tell you that if you don't know any Russian at all, the word znayu in Russian means I know. And I use that a few times in this poem. On a winter's day, When sun hovers 22 degrees above early afternoon's horizon, I ponder what words I control. I check lines, fuel, gumby suit, a euphonic word, and temperature, plus 10. I zip my warmest gear, start the engine, leave the river, and turn to sea. When I reach the fair weather grounds, I set my lines and run a slow troll. Znayu, I know the sound the sound of I know, znayu. I snap the gear as I run out my line and wait, drink bitter coffee as we, the boat and I, troll to the west. I hear the bell that says all is well. My hands are warm 
waiting inside alpaca than rubber gloves. I begin to run the gear. The winter's azimuth comes first. A gentle time I shall keep. I throw it on deck to gut and analyze when all the words are in. Am at dockside and home for a soon good sleep. Apricity flops on deck, almost of its own volition. Oh, that warmth of winter's low sun against my face. I leave it there, lying warm and silent against the gunnel. Znayu. I quietly know the next one that I take off its hook. I put this one in my pocket to keep my knowledge warm within me as this trip flows in language I know. Yuck! This double ugly has too many plosives and so little meat. I cannot compare it to the elegance of felicity or homily or mackerel and toss it back. Silence of home, of ocean. How did I get two on one hook? Did they grab the bait at the same time? Or did one eat the other, as one lies atop, one below, wedged together as if one? Next, flops a fellow, a tough, a fellow tough to take off the hook, a brazen tatteratat, whose front is his back, no back fin on this character, just horned heads on both ends. He's a knockabout on deck, but I'll keep him. I like his shuddering, shattering bang-a-clang. Ah, uh, these lines, do they offer, do they and I offer one another justice? Have I tied them 60 on the deeps or 25 on this inside gear? Do I have load enough to head back from a money-making trip? As I pull my lines, I land one more, a lugubriosity who reflects my feelings at the end of this or any trip to the sea. That mournful sorrow of leaving my ocean, of water of words, of placing these fish in order, of finding the tender where I offload and sell this morseled miscellany. I am bereft when they are no longer in my hands, and I head home to my long sleep. My son lives in Juneau at 500 feet, which isn't much unless 500 feet below is the Gastineau Channel. And it's foggy there. I'm sure you're used to fog. I am. So I sat for a week and watched the fog. Fog. Fog rolls, hides, envelops sandy shores shrouds tops of tall masts. It hides all, rolls like a dragon tail, rills valleys, covers houses, hills, pathways, docks. It hides the mountains, hides the waves, hides boats in the fleet, breaks into clouds below the hillside where I sit, leaves phantom trails, ties bows around vessels, outlines the land, the masts of neighboring ships, till the wraith of wind sweeps it away, turns the sun into a faint, faint, parts to reveal a rainbow, jettisoned from a cloud, 
parts to reveal sunshine, laces around mountains or boats to deceive us till all is invisible. Now, one of my favorite people in the world has been Odysseus since I was 11 years old when I read the Iliad and the Odyssey. So I thought I'd write a poem about him. And so it was he plied the ancient waves, each wave's new yet older than any fish or Earth's millennial measured eons. Born of Ithaca, young Odysseus fought in battle for his Grecian isle. Ten years he fought on land across the strait. Ten years he journeyed the short leagues of sea to hallucinate and hammer away long angers instilled by brutal battles. Battles may be short, perhaps just moments, but their residue may last three lifetimes. Odysseus journeyed home, and only Argos, his old dog, recognized his scent, a scent not washed away in blue-green seas, a scent his son, so human, did not know. Now, I know when you're married, you're not supposed to fall in love with someone else, but uh, given that I've probably fallen in love maybe 15 times in my life, I don't know, a dozen, you know, whatever, um, I have fallen in love with a very ancient fish. And this is the first poem that I am writing about this fellow. And he's absolutely amazing. I wish I could deep sea dive so I could go down. There's a video on YouTube of some fellow just stroking him as he swam by. And I thought, oh, I want to be there and do that. Coelacanth. Coelacanth is a fish whose ancestors lived 420 million years ago. Now, I don't know whether how many of you are familiar with Oklahoma or the Wichita Mountains that are in Oklahoma, but they, were the old, they are the oldest mountains in North America, and they were formed over 400 million years ago. So, around the time, the coelacanth was also fishing around, um, swimming around. It still lives at the ocean's bottom, mostly in caves. It was considered only a fossil until 1938, when a trawler caught one off the coast of South Africa. He contacted a natural history museum curator. I, coelacanth, was born from magma spewed, spewn from ocean's yellow belly, a home for fish you will never catch or see, a home to those who live and die. I lived when the dinosaurs lived and hid well in caves at the ocean's bottom for 400 million years. I was a mere fossil until 1938 when a South African fisherman brought me to Marjorie Courtney Latimer. She cared for my six-foot, 200-pound, dead, white-speckled, mauve-blue body 
with two pairs of walkable fins with bones and a puppy-like tail. Some scientists think I may be the first fish to move out of land on, out of sea onto land. I don't know, but if I did not, my birthed and bone-finned ancestors, excuse me, my birthed and bone-finned descendants did. Trawl nets now entangle my back, drag me crying in silent shock to hear me gasp in shallow waters. No one will find me at a fishmonger's. I warn you, I am too oily, foul-tasting, and will give you two days of black water. Soon, you will study me with fascination. So we spoke. I am, I am coelacanth. You say you have seen me. Want to hold me in your hands? Yes. I do, and I don't want to let you go, I say to an eye or a scale. I want to hold you, curtain of night, exposed to day. Shall I put you in the galley, wheelhouse, or back in the ocean? Shall I save you for my desk at home, a trophy of life's beginnings? It answered, I am alien, prehistoric, one of the 24% who survived the asteroid. Now, saved by you, a random curious fisherman, you'll put me on a shelf in your library. Sit me with your pride in peace on our planet. I miss the depths of my former life, but it is my, it is my fate that trawler Captain Goosen pulled me from my environment and plucked me to his deck to preserve me for a laboratory shelf. With his net, he reached back through time and brought me to your knowledge. You now label me and my 500 immediate relatives as critically endangered. This one is titled, Silence on an Early Fall Day. When I was introduced, it was said I live in a small town in Alaska, which is true, so I can go for a walk on the road, which goes nowhere other than in town, or to the national park, and I can walk there and see no one, hear no one, sometimes not even an animal or a bird in the winter, So, this one starts with some silence. I walk in the park, hear no footsteps, no sound, no wind, no waves, no rain, see no clouds, no sun, no bear paws or moose hooves land on autumn's newly fallen leaves. I see no porcupine, mink, or muskrat. No fish move upstream to spawn. 
fingerlings still head out to sea for three to five years before returning to their spawning. I smell the late blooming flowers of changing plants, fleabane, hyacinth, goldenrod, nagoonberry, elderberry. I taste nagoons and salmon, kelp and blueberries. I smell and taste the salty air, the salty water. I stand motionless in the purity of silence. This poem should have no words. Thank you. When I interviewed Larry Hills, the commercial fisherman who was caught in the trawl net uh, for the book The Night Orion Fell, sometimes he would pause for seven seconds or 11 and a few times for 15. And it's amazing to sit in a room with another person in utter silence and just wait for him to come up with the next words of his being trapped in the lines, trapped on the net reel, and what he, and then beginning to talk again. I'm going to end with two slightly lighter ones. Two of my three grandchildren <clears throat> really like to go fishing. The third one probably does too, but she's a little young. Reed, he's three years old. He catches Dolly Varden. He catches halibut. He fishes off the bridge over his creek for pinks and cohos. He fishes off the edge of the stairway. With a bobber, not a lure, he says. He wants to be a fisherman when he grows up. Nora's halibut. She was four years old when she caught her first halibut. Reed caught many dollies by then. No competition, just the joy of children fishing in the rolls and curls of Icy Strait. Thank you. That was Abigail Culkin, recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to thefisherpoetryarchive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow your winds westerly, westerly blow. We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes. 